0: meatloaf we want it now the meatloaf what is she doing i never know
1: what she's doing back there hello starting strength fans haters and everyone in between let's talk about all the events that we have coming up so our next available seminar is going to be in wichita falls on december 11th through the 13th then we have a coaching development camp on november 22nd in orlando we'll be covering the squat and the deadlift our next self sufficient lifter camp will be October 31st in Wichita Falls. That's where we cover the squat, the press, and the deadlift how to video yourself and how to diagnose your own technique. Two squat camps on the list, both in Texas. First one, October 17th in Houston uh, at Starting Strength Houston. And then a new one on the list at Starting Strength Austin in Austin, Texas on November 14th. We have one available squat and deadlift camp on the list that'll be November 7th in Orlando, Florida. And then finally for lifting camps, we'll have the squat press and deadlift camp in Singapore on November 29th. If competition is your thing, we have a few options for you. 5 by 3 in Baltimore will be holding their ninth annual Charm City Strong Woman Contest. This is a charity event that raises money for the Ullman House, which is a home away from home for cancer patients and their families. That'll be on October 22nd through the 25th. Then two strength lifting meets going on on October 31st. One in Phoenix, Arizona at Weights and Plates and the other at Testify Strength in Omaha, Nebraska. Wichita Falls will be holding their strength lifting meet on November 14th. And we're back over to Testify in Omaha on December 5th for a USA weightlifting meet, and finally Baltimore on December 6th for a Stronger Together meet, which is a partner meet contesting four lifts. Starting Strength Gyms are up and running, where you can come in and train with a coach for less than 30 bucks a session. To find a location near you, we have new locations on the list, or find more information out in general, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And if you haven't fast-forwarded past this already, for more information and details on anything that I've spoken about, you can head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage
2: Welcome back to starting strength radio. It's Friday, which means that it's not Monday and it's not Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday either. It is Friday and starting strength radio is a Friday feature, regular part of your week. And we're happy that you're here. We're here this week with our friend, Harry Fafutis. He is from, uh, Guadalajara in Mexico. And, uh, The reason uh, Harry is here is he's just recently completed the Spanish translation, the Spanish language translation of the blue book, Starting Strength, Basic Barbell Training. Harry, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Now, we've got translations of of lots of the books in other languages. I think Korean, German, Chinese, Chinese... The two types of written Chinese. Korean, did I already say Korean? Mm-hmm. Korean, Chinese, Chinese, German, Polish. Uh, is that all? That's plenty. No, we've got, and Japanese. Japanese. Can't leave them out. They'll be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> we leave out the It'll Japanese, they'll they'll <laughs> cut you open. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> <Guts. Most, laughs> vicious people. But honorable people, honorable. but vicious. Honorable yet vicious. Honorable yet vicious. Sometimes the two go hand in hand. We'd use a little more of that in the United States these days, <laughs> don't you think? So we're adding to our collection of translations by adding the Spanish translation. Now, the the, the Spanish translation is going to be a little different. Uh, we are going to publish the Spanish translation ourselves. Now, in the case of all of the other translations, we have licensed the material to the publishing company in the respective country in which uh, it was going to be published. But uh, we hadn't had any offers from any Spanish publishing houses. And uh, so we thought we handle it a little bit different way. Uh, We're going to be laying out and pasting up the book and publishing it ourselves uh, here under the Asgard Company. And, uh, this will represent a departure from all of the rest of the translations that we've done. And uh, we thought we'd have Harry in today to talk a little bit about some of these topics and and uh, maybe we can uh, learn a couple of things. Harry uh, let me let me ask you a question. This is kind of something that we've noticed over the years. We have not ever experienced the high sales volume of the English translation into Spanish speaking markets. And, uh, this is, I mean, the book's been in print for 15 years and, uh, we just don't sell a lot of books into South America, Central America, Spain, where else is Spanish spoken? Spanish still used in the Philippines. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. But those are the primary primary Spanish speaking markets are Central and South America and Spain. And we just haven't sold a bunch of books into that into that uh, into that market. And uh Bree, when's the last time you shipped a book to a an address in a Spanish speaking country? I can't even remember. Can't remember having done it. Okay. Uh well. Why do you think that is?
3: I think there's uh two factors here. Uh first one probably a logistical factor. Um, the United States is probably the the main country that it's already used to ordering stuff online. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you have this whole infrastructure that facilitates this. Right. In in South America, there's many countries that do have online services. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the people don't trust the, the shipping processes as well as you guys do. Right. So that's one thing. You don't have a local, um, a local uh, company that delivers that stuff, or like all, uh, stores physical stores where people can buy your books. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's one part of it. Well, that
2: may very well be a a, a major factor if you uh, and we don't sell the book in bookstores. We've never sold a single copy of Starting Strength out of a retail bookstore. Uh, The only time that might accidentally have happened is us having sent uh, books to a college bookstore and not all of them got bought by the instructor's class that ordered the book. And they may have put those back on, on the shelves in the bookstore and tried to sell them like that. But I'll assure you that That hasn't happened very often because typically what those guys want to do is if the bookstore places an order for 30 books, the instructor having said there's going to be 30 people in the class and the book is required for the class, uh, and uh, 20 people come in to buy the book, they will actually want us to take back the extra 10 copies. And, I mean, there have been several times we've had to say, hey, y'all?" sell them after all you are a bookstore <laughs> it's, it's kind of frustrating but that's that's what's happened in the past and um, as a result we have always sold pretty much everything online we've sold in excess of three quarters of a million copies of all of our titles and all of them have been shipped. All right. of them have been sold online. And uh, as you pointed out, if we do that, we're trusting the local postal delivery system to get things to the intended buyer. And there are some countries in which that's a more reliable process than others. Exactly. Right. And
3: uh, yeah. So there's this uh, this cultural trend in the U.S. or Probably also the European countries where mm-hmm. people are starting to buy more and more online. And I've, I feel like when you guys started selling the books online, you caught that trend like at the right time. Yes. And um, you have to know that in South America, this this trend is delayed. Right. People are starting to buy more and more online, but it's still not as big a consumption <clears throat> as in the U.S.
2: How uh, How far behind us? is South America, would you say? 15, 20 years?
3: In terms of uh, online commerce? Yeah, that's, that's right. Probably it's 5, 15 years. Like, mm-hmm. Amazon is expanding. Like, mm-hmm. in Mexico, there's already Amazon US and probably in the South America, too. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it's, it's just a cultural trend. It will eventually catch up. Right. And, and that's one of the factors, I think.
2: Well, if, if you can be assured that when you spend $30 on a book that the book will actually be delivered to you within a couple of weeks instead of stolen in the process, right. then you're more likely to purchase the book like that. And it uh, could be a cultural thing and uh, perhaps they will get that system cleaned up down there and we will uh, have a, a new market opened up. But... Yeah.
3: Uh, so yeah, that was uh, the the one factor I was thinking, but then there's the The other side of the con is that um, I think that many people don't speak English as well, Mm -hmm. who speak Spanish as a first language. Mm -hmm. And uh, they also prefer, if they do speak English, they prefer to read the English books in in the vernacular. Right. Right? So um, that's what we're missing out. That's what we're missing out. And Well. Well, Spanish is, I think, it's the second most spoken language in the world as a first language.
2: I would have to say that Chinese is probably the first the number one spoken language in the world as a first language, so after Chinese, I think that probably uh, either English or Spanish would be the the second most widely spoken language uh, India has several different languages so and that's precisely why India uses uh English as uh, an official language so that everybody else can talk to each other so uh... english and spanish are uh... what were those numbers Eng- is native speakers
0: native speakers it's spanish four hundred sixty million english three hundred seventy nine million Well
2: spanish is there for a very 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 large market and uh... if uh... If we're making a giant mistake here, spending money on this translation, I think it's a reasonable gamble, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's certainly worth a shot. And right. uh, the the book is selling very well in Chinese. I mean, as far as we know, you know, it's selling pretty well. They pay us a uh, fairly big royalty on the Chinese sales and the the reasoning there was, I mean, how many, there's,
3: yeah, it's just you know, numbers. damn
2: near a billion people speak Mandarin Chinese. And uh, the, the traditional Chinese spoken and, and written in Taiwan, they approached us for the book. And uh, it's selling well there, too. Um, I would say that uh, Spanish uh, should work. But I wonder, and I've always wondered, if there's not some other factor here involved in this, if there's some cultural thing that we're not understanding about strength training that may not appeal to people in Central and South America.
3: That's a good question. Um, I think I would say no because you have uh, also a big cultural trend of exercise in Mm -hmm. South America, in Spain, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. All these places, uh, you can look it up in the Internet, and they do have lots of uh, training facilities, lots of gyms, uh, lots of uh, stores of supplements and -hmm. and this other fitness stuff, right? Yeah, I think
2: they're trying to participate in that that worldwide trend.
3: Yes, it's a big cultural trend, and uh, people like to stay in shape, you know. So I think, like... That's how I started with you. You know, I right. was going to the gym, and as many other coaches, we just don't know what we're doing, and we slowly start lifting weights, uh, using the correct movements, the barbell exercises, and you slowly come into conclusions that the barbell exercises are the main ones that right. give you the biggest return on your time.
2: So, why do you think we have not had an offer from? A major spanish language publisher because this is the process that has that has uh happened every time we've done a translation we get an email interested in whether the translation rights are available and in general we take these offers and uh, uh we had an inquiry about italian a while back i wasn't satisfied with the way the thing was presented to me so we haven't acted on that but uh we uh we get offers all the time i why would no spanish language publisher be interested heretofore in this yeah. in this book why are we having to do this ourselves it just makes me wonder if yeah. something else is see what i mean maybe something else is going on that we haven't adequately thought about but i mean this is a
3: do the do the publishers that uh, approach you in the other countries like what sort of books do they publish
2: well uh the uh the the chinese company uh for example is uh uh a science and technology publishing okay. company and uh which is not what you would expect uh to get an offer from from china but I think in that particular case, uh, these people looked at the book and viewed it as a textbook, hmm. a science-based textbook, and not as, you know, the the same kind of thing you see in the exercise titles right. in the United States with the guy with no hair, with his arms crossed, and a tank top on the <laughs> front of the book, and, you know, talking about prisons or some shit, you know. <clears throat> I I you know it's a I think they viewed it as a fundamentally different product and that's why the science and technology publishing company ended up with that book in China. Uh the uh so the 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 idea that maybe there is another uh cultural factor in operation here just sticks in my mind but uh May as well be. May as well be, bud. Might as well try. Yes. I mean, I don't understand. uh, I mean, there are more native Spanish speakers than English speakers, which really is surprising if you'll think about it. Uh, That kind of is surprising. Uh, Speakers of Spanish are how many people in Spain? 60 million people in Spain. Uh, Central America. South America, but you have... 50 million to, in Spain. 50 million in Spain. You have to remove, and you have to remove Brazil from South America. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's a great big piece of the land. I know it's not all completely populated, but that's the majority of the land mass of South America. The rest of it speaks Spanish.
0: Argentina and has... Ar- Argentina,
2: Paraguay, Uruguay, Chile, uh,
0: What's another big population?
3: Argentina, Chile, Peru. uh, Colombia. Colombia, Paraguay, Mexico. It's a lot of people.
2: It is a hell of a bunch of people. It really is. Outside of Central and South America, you got Spain, and that's Mm -hmm. about it, I think. That's about it, yeah. That's about it, I believe. But 475 million people is a hell of a big potential market for a book, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. If we... uh, we published the book in Spanish, and it starts to form a significant sales volume. And then uh, we've invested in the translation. We've invested in in uh, the print run, the inventory space, and let's just see what happens. You know, I'm looking forward to the the thing performing well. So, Harry, when you translated the book, how many times had you read it in? in English before you attempted to start this?
3: That's a great question. I think we could start with uh, how the idea of the translation uh, started. So I think I came to you back in 2016, I guess, and um, I I wasn't as strong as I am. I'm not saying that I'm the strongest, but I was weighing 155, so you probably don't remember this. No, I remember that. (laughs) So I <laughs> it's
2: something I try to forget but <laughs> I I do remember you weighing 155.
3: Yeah, so so I came in and I think um I wrote you an email before that and yeah. I was uh writing you that I was interested in what you're doing that I'd like to um expand your system to the Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. And then you said, "Well, come in and and uh, let's talk," right? So I came in. We talked, and and I told you I wanted to open up a gym, and um, maybe try to work it out the the whole coaching and starting strength in Mexico first. And then you were like, "Well, you have to train." I mean, you you're uh, you're very skinny. <laughs>
2: and that's every word of that's true.
3: <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> but then uh, back then, I I didn't know too much about all this world of training and. Mm-hmm. I had, a, like, a, supposedly a back injury, and I went to, like, four different doctors. I uh, had, like, uh, two hernias at the lumbar mm-hmm. and scoliosis and, I don't know, a couple other scientific all fancy kind of, names. All kind of shit was yeah. wrong. Yeah. And, uh, right. and you were like, well, have you have you seen the, the cases in my forum? And I was like, uh, no, haven't seen a thing. So, well, you, you were like, okay, you have to see that so that you get convinced that, you can do these exercises and there won't be a problem with it. And, and then you asked me whether I had some shorts or something to uh, do the lifts. And I was like, yeah, I have some apparel shorts in my car. Uh, and I came in, got dressed up and, and, and you taught me how to deadlift. That was the, the first day in, in I think you loaded like 135 on the bar mm-hmm. and had no problems with my back. And then you told me, would you rather have a week Um, what's, what's the, well, I
2: probably said, would you like to have your back hurting, uh, weak or your back hurting strong? Yes. You got back pain. Who doesn't have back pain? Would you like for your back to be weak or strong while you have your back pain? And that's the, that's, that's a decision that most people refuse to make because they don't understand that the act of getting the back strong may and usually does alleviate most if not all of the back pain but even if it doesn't deadlifts and squats do not hurt your back exactly and people that just doesn't compute to the vast majority of people so um it's to harry's credit that he uh, actually pulled the bar off the ground and demonstrated to himself that in fact this this
3: works exactly and and that was my main motivation i wanted to get rid of my back pain i wanted to be strong and i was just a little scared whether i could do the the main lifts or not right and that was my the first time we met i remember you know
2: and that's a rational thing be be afraid of you know i mean i'm going to use my back to lift something heavy but my back hurts will i not injure my back and i tell you no you will not injure your back and you have to believe me. Right. And
3: and I trust you know, some you.
2: apprehension is necessary, but I mean we've done this before. You trusted me and you demonstrated to yourself that in fact it doesn't hurt you to deadlift. And how many people since that period of time have you taught the same thing?
3: A lot. A lot. So right. that that's where it all started. You told me to train and get stronger. And I was like, well, he is most likely right. I will, I will try this at my place and I'm gonna get strong and I'm gonna train people to get ready and get the, the coaching certification. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. I went back home, I started training myself and uh, I think year and a half later I came to the seminar and uh, passed the platform, passed the, the exams. And I think it was uh, that seminar I don't know if you came up with the idea or I came with the idea of uh, having the book translated into Spanish. And, uh, I think
2: you did. And I, I think it would have been you because of our previous discussion. We've, we've had very little uh, in the way of uh, acceptance from the Spanish language community about, about this material. Yeah. We, typically, what we do is we can tell the strength of a market by how many copies of the books are ordered by private individuals within that market. Like we ship uh, to Germany on a regular basis. People from Germany ordered the book. Uh, Chinese people were ordering the book. And we, as Bree confirmed, we just don't get any orders from the Spanish-language countries. And uh, so it was probably you that brought that up, not me. I I would bet. And... Uh, I probably told you this very thing, and you said, well, uh, but I'd like to try it anyway. And I said, well, knock yourself out. And, yeah, but, then, and,
3: but you told me, I, I remember now, you told me uh, get the coaching certification first, yeah, and then we'll see.
2: Right. And, th- and the reason I told you that is because if we are going to be responsible for the translation, if we're not just licensing the product to another another company with a professional translator i wanted to make sure that you understood the material well enough to be able to produce an accurate translation and the only way we could be sure of that is for you to understand the material well enough to demonstrate that by passing the certification and uh and i think probably uh as a result of us having done that i think this is probably going to be the most accurate and faithful translation of all of the, yeah. of all of the all of the ones in print right now, I think so because of, because of the depth of understanding of the translator, and. Uh,
3: uh, yeah, like going I'm, back to your question, how many people did I train, before even starting to translate the book? Right. And how many times I read the book before yeah. I even started translating it? Right. I can tell you it was probably like, eight times reading the book. Yeah. And coached. Uh, more than 100 people. Right, and developed
2: out. an understanding of the book by applying the things that are in the book to a whole bunch of people in yes. coaching. Yes, Now, in the process of... So here's a... I think this is probably a really, really good question. And I'm actually kind of proud that I, that I could come up with a question of this quality. All right, and the question is, how did you learn through your experience with reading the book, coaching the people and applying the methods. And what did you do with that level of understanding in terms of making the translation? Do you, I I think it's probably inevitable that you added some quality to the translation that yeah. wasn't actually there in the first in the in the English version of it, I think that could be very likely the case.
3: Absolutely, there's a there's a even though English and Spanish are quite similar in in many aspects, mm-hmm. there are way other aspects that they're not similar. So uh, I think your language is uh, richer in words. Like you can use lots yeah. of uh, same word. I'm, I'm sorry, you can use lots of different words. Right. Your
2: language is based on Latin, and and my language is based on uh, Anglo-Saxon, German, and Latin. And English has got a much larger vocabulary than Spanish does. That's right. And which which gives me a lot of uh, a lot of additional options when I'm trying to to communicate communicate in terms of inflection and synonyms and just the color of the idea that i'm trying to uh trying to convey and spanish is much more straightforward this is the way you say this exactly and english i've got 19 ways to say the same thing
3: so you you have a more friendlier language in english in in which to communicate your ideas but then in spanish i had to find my way around many passages to uh, communicate what you were trying to say, right. So that process of me having coached, having read the book lots of times, and then trying to put it into Spanish words, that's what forced me to find different ways to uh, put it in a in a friendly way, right. So the reader can understand it,
2: right. And I think that that will certainly show up as being the product of your experience with having coached the movements. Yeah. So when the German guys translated the book, they had their 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 house translator just translate this English into German mm-hmm. without a filter. Yes. You had a filter. Yes. And I think that uh, we'll see that this is a very, very high quality
3: yeah, translation. So th- there's basically two result. ways to make a translation. You hire a professional translator... And if the text is too technical, that translator will probably have to come to an expert so that he explains yeah. whatever it is that the translator didn't understand. Right. So that's option A. Option B is go directly to the expert who speaks the language in in which you're trying to do the translation and have him do it, but at the same time have him hire another translator so that he covers those those holes that the translator uh, that the expert in the subject can't cover the technical aspects of the pros right, right?
2: so in other words you hire either a, a professional in the language exactly or a professional in the subject matter yes that's right and fill in the holes from either side yes right
3: so we did uh, we did that second option right and uh, I think it worked perfectly well like right. we didn't we didn't left anything loose
2: right now I think this is going to be a real good. Uh, exposure for a lot of people to, uh, to the material that previously didn't have access to it. And I wonder that if someone uh, that is trying to learn Spanish could not benefit from buying a copy of this thing mm-hmm. and using it as a Spanish language textbook by laying the, other, the English translation down beside of it and going sentence by sentence and see how written Spanish works. Yep. That might be a real good little side project for somebody. Maybe yeah. for your kid, you teaching him Spanish. Yeah, good, good.
3: And and also good. for I'm the, I'm proud of you. You should be teaching. <laughs> well, thanks, today. Rip. And you know, I'm proud that you're proud.
2: Well, I'm proud that you're proud that I'm proud, and it's it. But what about what about Stella, the girl? You're probably not doing that with no. her. She has no you reason. You got to keep her down. She has no <laughs> reason to do anything. Have you bought her shoes yet? she buys her own she buys her own shoes
0: she sells cookies and then goes. Into she the sells, sells cookies
2: shoes. and then sneaks around and buys shoes and you don't know right right you play like you don't know <laughs> oh well it's an a interesting cult, it's a cultural deal
0: yeah absolutely an <laughs> interesting thing i don't know if you you dealt with this at all or, or what your thoughts on this but i tried a long time i started a long time ago to just start uh, translating some articles and, you know, if, if I didn't know anything about starting strength or, or the way Rip writes and you just uh, or the way he speaks, you know, or the way the material is presented and you just have a text and then translation, that's almost easier than knowing the tone and the background and the way that the information is presented because you have to make like to your point that you have so many more options with English uh, in terms of, getting an idea across right yeah. where, where now you have to decide what the right option is uh that you want to get across in that moment and what and how to say it in spanish you know so i would read a sentence and i could just you could just translate the sentence right and it yeah. would be accurate but it wouldn't be uh it wouldn't get the point across
3: did you did you yes, find any of that? absolutely I, I guess what you're trying to say is if you go like sentence by sentence and then you look at it as a whole it ends up being too mechanical and sometimes you lose the main idea so a good translation uh, a good translator needs to read the text first understand the ideas and then find his own way to communicate it in, in the language that he's yeah, trying and to it's do not it
0: even, it's not even just the idea it's the, f- the flow and the, the ease flow, right? Right. Yes. the ease because starting strength is ex- and I am bring this point up in the seminar all the time and to the coaches that we're developing starting strength is extremely easy to read so easy yeah. to read that when you're learning to, to become a coach or you're learning the material, you'll read it and think you understand it, but you really don't because yes. it's so dense, you know, it's, it so, is dense. it's so well presented.
3: It is dense, and then even if you do understand it, then you have uh, task number two, now communicate it to someone else. You know, and, and we always talk about that. A good coach is not only someone who knows the model, but also communicates it precisely and, and briefly. So... uh that was a big part of the of now, the task.
2: I, one of the things that I learned a long time ago back in high school having two years of German and a year of German in college is that Google Translate is not a translation.
3: Absolutely Word-to-word
2: word equivalency is not a translation. That's not the same thing as a translation. Those of you that have never studied a foreign language uh, don't really have a, a handle on that, but... Uh, the way you say things in English and the way you th- say things in German uh, are very much a function of the culture in which the language developed. Mm-hmm. Now, this is you know this is a linguistics. Philology used to be the name for the study of this, of this, uh, of this topic. Uh, linguistics touches on it, but. Um a just a simple word to word translation is not is not a translation if Harry was to just make the word barbell into the Spanish word for barbell and then training into the Spanish word for training that's that's not a translation mm-hmm. and it's 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 difficult to to explain that to people who've never looked at a foreign language and i think that the one of the problems as you pointed out earlier with the uh, selling into the spanish language market is most people don't learn anything but spanish
3: mm-hmm.
2: in the spanish language countries most people in in north america have had a if anything just a cursory exposure to foreign languages in school but uh in in Europe, for example, it's different. You've got yeah. all these different, completely different languages in close proximity to each other, and the, everybody over there grows up understanding the difference between speaking to me in German, speaking to me in Swiss German, mm-hmm. speaking to me in in Dutch, mm-hmm. which is Low German, yeah. basically, and speaking to me in hungarian which is a completely different language and and ideas are expressed differently across those the several different cultures that generated those languages and people with no exposure to that don't really understand the subtleties Mm. of of language so i'm i'm glad that we ended up with a translation uh from somebody that's intimately familiar with the yeah. with the uh, with the material, I don't know how faithful the Chinese translation is. Mm-hmm. I don't know; have no way of knowing.
3: And that's the challenge of a great book. Like if you mm-hmm. if you think about great books, what do they have in common? Number one, they're telling the truth, and number two, the book is intelligible; people can mm-hmm. read it and actually understand it. Right. So there's two tests to a good book. I yeah. think. What you wrote is absolutely true if you apply the concepts correctly, and then uh, now you have to just communicate it correctly. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was my challenge. Right. But I do think, and I am confident that all my experience prior to the translation is what really gives it that uh, that no, correct I, spice. I, I, I agree. Sort of I
2: think it's the it's the icing on the cake in terms of the quality of the. Uh, uh, Quality of the translation. See, there's, a, there's an idiom right there, icing on the cake. How's that translated into Spanish? <laughs>
3: La cereza del pastel. <laughs>
2: Which may mean something completely different. In, <laughs> may actually mean something different. Yes. <laughs> I'm quite sure it does. Uh, so, Harry, you're actually not Mexican, are you? Um, Let's spill the beans here.
3: Okay, sure. Well, so um, all the family from from my dad, they were all uh, born in Mexico, but they're all Greek in blood.
2: So they're first-generation Mexicans Uh, from Greece, right?
3: Yeah, second-generation, actually. But the thing is, uh, before, like my grandparents, my Greek grandparents, they were both born in Mexico, but... Mm there was this uh, cultural thing that Greeks only marry Greeks. Right.
2: Well, lots of cultures are like that. Yeah. yeah. But my,
3: my dad broke that uh, that habit, so to say. You
2: know? He's a brave man, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's a brave man. He might yeah. as well have married a Turk. Huh? Could have. <laughs> but only no. there's no Turks that in would have Mexico. Been the, that would have been the end of the world, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, because because only Americans are racist. You see. <laughs>
3: yeah, so the that was the the cultural thing then. But uh, I mean, my dad's one hundred percent Greek, his mm-hmm. blood. Right. And then my mom is is Mexican, but she's not fully Mexican in blood either. Like you, you met her; she's blonde. Yeah. She doesn't look Mexican. No. So there's, uh, I think there's part of like French, French part of her and. I don't know what what the hell else. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows
2: but uh um, nobody in your family looks like what the Mexican people here in North Texas look like. Yeah. Uh that's true. The just for those of you from different parts of the world, the uh uh Mexican people in uh, in this area are are probably really Indians. Yes. Uh, they're true. actually American Indians. Mm-hmm. They're Native Americans, uh, and you know the the Spanish people interacted with them over the past four or five hundred years, and uh, yes, so you've got a whole bunch of people in uh, at least the southern United States, and probably northern Mexico that all you know appear to be the same bunch of people. Now you've got uh, in our little second home that we've that we have up in colorado that part of the country is populated with spanish-speaking people who look like you Mm. they're not dark complected and those people are descendants of spanish immigrants from 400 years Mm -hmm. ago and they sound different than uh the mexican populations around here and uh They've got a different cuisine. The whole it's it, it's it's fascinating how widespread Spanish as a language and culture has been over the past probably six hundred years. Yes. In fact, I think you'll find that uh, probably uh, the United States has one of the larger Spanish-speaking populations in the world. How many? How many do we have?
0: Uh, actually hold on total number of Spanish speakers in Mexico is 126 million mm-hmm. uh, United States 56 million mm-hmm. and then Colombia and Spain are at about 49 and 46 so we're number two number two
2: the second largest concentration of Spanish speaking people in the, United, in the world is in the United States so this wasn't a stupid idea after all right you know I think a lot of people are interested, even if they've read the book in English, would be interested in reading the Spanish translation of this thing, just for the ease of uh, maybe a little bit deeper understanding of the material. So, uh, but
0: you even, have even if you count the because that that number, the number two number includes limited competent speakers. So, uh, and I don't know how they could possibly know this, but yeah, uh, even if you include the not the only native speakers and proficient. Speakers as second languages, the United States is still top four in right
3: the world. still a big number
2: yep. Yeah, it's a big number of people and it's growing all the time.
3: Yep.
2: It's growing all the time. If you go to South San Antonio, there's not a lot of English spoken in the southern half of that city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, for a long time had uh, a bilingual requirement for all their police force. Because of the large number of Spanish speakers, people that don't speak anything but Spanish, and in South Texas, that's, there's a lot of people in that boat, in that same boat. So uh, we'll just see what happens with this. But uh, I'm uh, I'm optimistic that we're going to have a, a bunch of books flying out the door. Are you ready, Bree? She's always ready. Shipping and receiving is always on the money here at the Asgard Company.
0: 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. (laughs)
2: 24-7-365. We're working for you here at the Asgard Company. How's your gym?
3: Gym is slow right now, obviously. I think
2: everybody's gym is slow. How is, uh, just as an interesting aside here, um, what do you, uh, I mean, everybody in the United States knows that the, the Mexican government is kind of a fucking mess. All right. It everybody is, knows yeah. that the Mexican government is basically non-existent <laughs> over half of the country. They and and it, they will kill him. <laughs> if the cartels don't kill him, the government will, <laughs> you better cover your ass here on this here. <laughs> Who do you like best, the cartels or the government?
3: Oh, that's a really you, tough question. You shouldn't answer, answer that it, question. No.
2: Don't answer that question because it's a dangerous thing to talk about. Uh, it, it's amazing to me that Mexico functions. It, yeah. it, it really is. I think it's a testament to just the basic decency of the fucking people that they have put up with this Administrative chaos down there for as long as they have. Mm-hmm. I think this must be a really good bunch of people to put up with that bad a bunch of people on the yeah. other side yeah. of the, so you know, the street this is, from them. It. It's
3: this it's, is a very interesting topic because um, we're basically neighbors. Yes, we have the almost the same geographical conditions. You yeah. know, and what explains why the U.S. It's so much more developed compared to Mexico. Because right?
2: you guys had a head start on us of about three hundred years.
3: Well, I think it's it's many things, but yeah. um, I, one of the things, for example, you guys got conquered by the by the English people. Mm-hmm. We got conquered by the by the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spaniards back then, and probably still then right now, they're on the under the Catholic uh, regime. Yes. And you guys are all uh, Protestants. Protestants. Right. So that I think that's like, that got you guys to a well, big... That's an uh,
2: interesting observation. I never thought about it like that before.
3: Well, you know, the the Protestants they, the, who came here to the U.S. were basically fleeing from, from England. And, yes. and they were looking for better opportunities. They were hard uh, workers. In
2: fact, my the original Ripito ancestor uh, was a Huguenot, hmm. as they called them back then he was protestant fleeing from catholic france yeah and he came over in the 1690s and all of the ripitos in the united states are traceable back to that one guy wow and
0: uh every all the ripitos all of us
2: now they some of us spell our name differently than others but the best i can tell uh, last time I'd looked seriously at the genealogy, that there was one original ancestor that came into Virginia back in the, about 1695, and uh, the specific reason was to get away from these That's lunatic Catholics. Yeah.
0: yeah, and the Spaniards that came were the hard, were hardcore zealots. The, yeah.
3: the Spaniards were just looking for gold right. and uh, just stealing everything from the Mexican Indians. Mm-hmm. and chose to go back to spain right and then there's there's another interesting difference the 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 english immigrants or european immigrants who came to the us uh they basically got rid of the indians slowly you know taking them to the to the right. west Just moving
2: them out of the way or to
3: the reservations right. well, what did what what happened in mexico they all uh, started uh Crest having colonating yes yep. so you have
2: they assimilated them yep. instead of moved them right out yeah, they, they 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 left. I think there were probably more of them in Mexico. There yeah. were probably more native yeah. occupiers of the land, and if you cannot uh, beat them because of their greater numbers, you have to figure out a way to get along. And that's how well, and that, a denser population too, right? In, right? Yeah,
0: in Central and South America, the, the concentration was higher. So, yeah. yes. what are you going to do? You're not, you know, where in the the guys that landed in America were, I imagine. You know the the just because of the landmass was much more dispersed. Yes,
2: it was more dispersed, and uh, the climate in Mexico made it a lot easier to right to feed yourself yeah. than it. Uh, more things grow in Mexico than grow on the southern plains in the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know we had a very interesting book come out a few years ago called Empire of the Summer Moon that investigated. Uh, the actual facts of the, of the Comanche tribe's activities in the central southern plains. And one of the, one of the most interesting things that I took away from that, that book was the fact that you had two different approaches to human life. And the approach of the Comanches to human life was not compatible with ours.
3: Exactly.
2: And we had to do something about it. And, it's and if it was same. not optional. We had to do something about it. And because uh, you can't coexist in a situation like that. So we won. They lost. And I'm real sorry, but that's just why we're all here right now. And
3: uh, It's the same the, with all the Indians in the U.S. There's it, also the book um, The Killing of Crazy Horse mm-hmm. about the Sioux, And it's yeah. the same. Right. Yeah, they, they just they, got rid of them or they just put them in a reservation camp. Right. But that didn't happen in Mexico. No, and you guys then,
2: just kind of all became one amorphous yeah, a mixed, bunch of people. A
3: mixed, mixed race. And uh, there's also the fact that, again, the the Catholic Church took over Mexico and South America. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, like, there's a lot of, of power. Like, you just see the architecture or the infrastructure of the cities, and there's this huge... Uh, Catholic churches, huge Catholic cathedrals. There's a lot of and, money in there, and power, and corruption, right. and,
2: and and where is the Pope from? I think the it's a,
3: Pope is, the, pope is uh, Argentina. Argentina.
2: Argentina. Think, yeah. Yes, it's a it's you know the whole thing is still Catholic, and the Catholics never established a hold like that in the United States, and all these factors contribute to the cultural differences between Mexico and the United States. Uh, Which brings got, us
3: to the point why uh there's like we have lots of corruption and and uh, and narcos right
2: right we have a lot of corruption here, but I think our corruption has done a lot better job of disguising itself mm-hmm. uh than uh, yours has our corruption uh,
0: ours is ours is not overt. Ours is not to overt the, to the average citizen. It's yeah. To, yeah, to
2: the average citizen, average citizen can completely ignore it and be perfectly happy, uh, because our news media is absolutely complicit in in that effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, instead of letting this get too far off into uh, uh, Alex Jones territory, you, you, we we have a. Uh, I guess our our culture started off as a more peaceful bunch of people than the Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the native Mexicans uh, I mean the Aztecs were famously
3: Yeah, you have the Aztecs and, and the Mayans. And the Mayans. Very, very developed and the
2: Olmecs. They they were they had a very highly developed mm-hmm. thirst for human blood. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That we here in the in the United States we quelled that. Yes. We quelled that. And uh the dominant culture uh that came over here and moved that out of the way, um uh, predominated and in Mexico uh you guys assimilated with them and didn't really wipe that out like no. like we did. The
0: the the idea that it's a, a product of the different versions of Christianity is really interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. I think that I, has a lot to do with it. You know, I, you got yeah. Protestant Christianity coming to the United States and converting Indians and moving the ones that wouldn't convert or killing the ones that wouldn't convert. And in Mexico, you've got a
3: the Catholic Catholics version of Christianity. That who are scared of the church? Exactly. And, and uh, you you grow, right. uh, you grow like. Trying to be dependent on that. Exactly. You know, the authoritarianism it's, of the Catholic Church. Right. Yes. It,
2: it was a, 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 a quasi governmental organization. Oh, it I, always has less been. Less than quasi. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was the. It was essentially. The many to, for many hundreds of years in human history, the Catholic Church has been the government. Right. In mm-hmm. lots and lots of places in Europe yep. and South America. Right. And uh, the Protestant Church. Has never really functioned that efficiently in that Northern way. In England. Church of for England, a little while, for a little, a little while, out. the Church of England kind of tried to the be Catholic. Right? And uh, yeah, they were the Anglican Church, the Church of England.
3: Yeah, but it's that know. mindset, you know, of exactly. right. the, the, the Protestant mindset. mindset of work hard and then the Catholic mindset of, oh, obey if I do Pope. this and yeah. this, I'm going right. to. Obey the Pope. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So. That's, I think that's one of the main factors.
2: It could very well be. I hadn't thought about that before, but that's, uh, that is an interesting take on the situation. Uh, what do you think uh, about the way your government has handled the current crisis? I really hate to use that term. Because it's not a crisis. No, it's, not. it's not a crisis. It's a. It is a. It's a crisis in the way it's been handled. But the the COVID nineteen situation is uh, is not a public health crisis. It's a government crisis, mm-hmm. and every government in the world has happily jumped on this opportunity to increase their power and authority, and. Uh, What is going on down there? Yeah, what's it like? What's what's it like (laughs) down there right now with respect to this?
3: Well, uh, we had to shut down most of the businesses, the non-essentials. Oh, yeah,
2: that sounds familiar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like they all use the same playbook. It's almost like they were all on the same phone call, right? They all opened the same binder.
2: The same binder and looked at the same instructions (laughs) after they received the same phone call. that day back in february How long hey this is how we're going to handle this guys all right no no listen it'll work just trust me it'll work you'll like it here in another couple of months you'll see that i was right all right but this is the way we're going to handle it
3: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was very similar to to what happened here uh only two exceptions it was uh, more exaggerated the the regulations you know wearing the mask and not going out which
2: would be commensurate with our previous discussion about the Mexican culture yes right
3: yes and then the other aspect is at least uh, most of the u.s. citizens got some sort of incentive Mm -hmm. right some sort of payment from the government but Mm -hmm. most of us we didn't get that like my small business my gym uh, it was like very hard and bureaucratic to get some sort of funding from them right so I just had to find my way through that, and
2: yeah, I didn't do that myself.
3: No, I didn't uh, do it either. I I, just,
2: I I didn't even attempt to do it. Uh,
3: I, ch- we, I we ch-
2: thought about it early on, but you know, and and it later turned out we were right to not do it. It, it later turned. Out. Anytime the government gives you something, there is a string attached to that thing. Yeah, I agree. And, I'd rather and not ask was, either. I don't yeah. want to be on the list. Yeah. I don't want to be on the list.
3: Yeah, so what I did you know? is I just uh, lent out equipment to my clients, mm-hmm. and uh, they kept on paying the, the monthly fees, but we did some sort of uh, online coaching for them, mm-hmm. and then we were able to keep most of them. A lot of our gyms
2: of did that here.
3: So, uh, uh, I mean, we survived, you know, but right. it's not like we're doing great.
2: Uh, well nobody's doing great we were doing great i don't know about you guys but up to about the first of february we were in the hottest economic expansion in probably history of the united states uh things were going beautifully and of course we can't have that because we got to get rid of this man in november so we had to fuck everything up we just had to there's no no other option things are going too well so we had to fuck them up and uh this, this COVID-19 thing was a wonderful excuse. If you can make people afraid to get sick, then you can tell them to do things and they'll listen to you and they'll obey you if they're afraid. Yeah. People accept tyranny when they perceive that the tyranny is going to protect them from something. And in this case, this thing turned out to be perhaps a slightly more severe version of the flu than previous versions of the flu, but that's all it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear you people out there right now. I can hear you screaming. What you're screaming about is the fact that I'm willing to say that, and you're a bunch of fucking pussies. Because really, you know it's true. You, you can't believe what these people tell you about this the data is there you have access to the data we published it on our thread about this on the board every single day the whole thing is over with the thing was over with at the end of june and you're still wearing a mask and your mask is a symbol of your willingness to comply and that's all it is it's a symbol of your willingness to comply and uh and and from that standpoint, this thing's worked beautifully. I would yeah. imagine it's worked that well in Mexico too, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, there's elections coming up next year and all the politicians are using their political agenda to mm-hmm. work we, it out.
2: We've got to keep them scared or they're not going yes. to keep us in office. So keep they're lying scared. to you about who's got it and who has at risk and how many people it's killed and all this other shit. There's <laughs> I don't know about in, in Mexico, but there was a there was a poll taken a couple of weeks ago uh, about how many people the average American thinks have died from COVID-19. And the uh, poll results indicated that the average person thinks that three no, that 30 million people have died from COVID 19 in the United States. Ten percent of the population they think has died of COVID-19. And the actual number uh, is a tiny, tiny fraction of that to the extent that I don't know anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone who has died from COVID-19, and neither do you. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's just an interesting, interesting thing to watch unfold. To watch people, not just in the United States, but everywhere yeah. but roll over on their back in yes. a, in in a display of willingness to do what they're told to be protected. I what's happened to us? Could this bunch of people have won World War II? You know, and it's
3: interesting what, that most of the countries are doing the same thing. They're all doing it, Harry. It's
2: amazing uh-huh. to me. We were talking about this a couple of days ago. Uh, It's, you know, we understand the need uh, to do something about Donald Trump. We got to get rid of Donald Trump. That's just, and we're willing to do anything to get rid of Donald Trump. But what explains the U.K.? What explains Mexico? What explains South Africa? What explains the willingness of all of these countries to participate in this hoax? And I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't understand yeah. it, uh, except that the people that run things, now we're Alex Jones here again, but I, I, just, I don't know another explanation for this. The people that run things everywhere are all in the same club.
3: Yeah, they're probably getting a lot of benefits out of this. They're all in the
2: same club. How would you like to be a mask manufacturer?
3: (laughs) How would you like to be squatting with a mask?
2: I'm not going to do it. No. So uh, doing sets of five, three sets of five across and having to do that fifth rip.
0: You take a big breath in mm. and it goes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just sucks right down up into your nose and shit. You know, and it's already wet yeah. since you've been spitting all over the damn thing your whole workout. And now you're you're suffocating. Well, good. Suffocate. It's good for you. At least you didn't die of COVID nineteen, right? Yeah. So I, you know. Anyway, uh, Harry, I appreciate you being here. This is a, uh this is a departure for for us taking on a translation project like this ourselves and we've just happily licensed it out to other publishing companies before so we're gonna be in the process of learning a whole bunch of things ourselves about this thing and uh, uh, those of you who are interested in the Spanish language translation uh, it's gonna be several months before uh, before it's available we've got a giant amount of work to do on the layout and paste up, and the the print run and all these other things that are involved in uh, in getting a book on your uh, table. Yeah. But we're we're on the, it. In
3: the meantime, anyone who's interested in like have questions in Spanish or something, they can look me up. Uh, I'm in Guadalajara, uh, Mexico, and. Just let me know. What's your email address? It's uh, harifafutis at gmail.com.
2: H a r i f a f u t i s at gmail.com. Now, you're going to get offers of marriage. Okay? <laughs> you're going to get offers of marriage. Just ignore those. Just delete those. There'll be guys ask you about that, too, because you know, you know how the Internet is. Uh, But those of you that are interested in communicating with Harry about this, please get on on email with him, and uh, he'll he'll write you right back unless you're asking him to (laughs) do inappropriate things with you. Okay. And, uh, Harry, thanks a bunch, man. Appreciate your work on this project. And appreciate you coming up to sit with us today on Starting Strength Radio. And we will see you next week.